You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life podcast. I'm Janine Strong, your hostess with the mostest, and every two weeks I have a lively conversation with inspiring, interesting, and knowledgeable people. I'm very excited for my conversation today with Dr. Sila Watcott. We are talking about homeopathy and homeoprophylaxis, and I think you will find our conversation quite fascinating. Dr. Priscilla Watcott is a PhD board-certified classical homeopath. She was an instructor at Normandale Community College and the author of There Is a Choice, Homeoprophylaxis. And she's the co-author of The Solution, Homeoprophylaxis. Sila is the executive director of Worldwide Choice, an organization training medically licensed providers to administer homeoprophylaxis. She is the producer-director of the documentary series, Real Immunity, about the intelligence of life and how we can overcome fear to access the resources we need to build authentic immunity. As an outgrowth of the Real Immunity series, she offers individualized homeoprophylaxis programs for adults and children. And most important, Sila Watkot is the mother to children adopted from Russia, Taiwan, and China, and she has one biological child. Her deepest desire is to see families everywhere heal and thrive. Hi, Sila. How are you today? Oh, great, Janine. Thank you for having me very much. Oh, I'm so glad you agreed to come on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I would love to begin by hearing your story, uh, how and why you became so interested in homeopathy that it's become your life's work. And then we can get into the juicy specifics of homeopathy and how you use it. Sure. So um, my original undergraduate degree was in dance. I danced with a Chinese company and toured. Um, also danced with uh, schools. I set up programs in schools and did uh, theater for schools. It was fascinating, interesting, and I applied for a Fulbright scholarship to study in Ireland in mm-hmm. ethnochoreology. So as I was waiting for the results of this application to the Fulbright Scholarship, my children were all very sick. They Mm. had asthma and migraines and kidney Mm. reflux. And a pediatrician said, you should try homeopathy for your son with asthma. Nothing was helping. Took Mm. him to a homeopath. And within six months, his asthma was gone. So, yeah, I was amazed and intrigued, and I proceeded to take my other children, my daughter's kidney reflux. She never had another kidney infection, so I was fascinated and decided to look into homeopathy schools. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of at a crossroads and thinking about starting this master's program in dance or maybe even going back to homeopathy school, and my mother, who had died when I was a child, came to me and basically said, homeopathy is a perfect fit. You should do it. (laughs) So I contacted a couple of different schools. One of them in Minnesota reached out to me immediately, told me to come visit, sit in on classes, see what I thought. And I never looked back. I absolutely felt like it was what I needed to be doing. Started a 44-month program with Mm. Northwestern Academy of Homeopathy. It was a very... uh, uh, detailed program. It was great, absolutely great education. Mm-hmm. And from there, started a private practice and bumped into 
homeoprophylaxis, which I'm I'm doing now, and absolutely love homeopathy. It's a completely different way to view health and mm-hmm. healing. It certainly is. So how about let's that that sounds like a perfect segue. Uh, what is homeopathy? How does it work? Mm-hmm. Homeopathy is a full system of medicine that's based upon the principle of like treating like. Mm-hmm. So if something in nature is ingested in its material form, it may cause different symptoms mm-hmm. in the recipient. And if that same material is diluted and potentized to a homeopathic remedy, it can cure those same symptoms. And I'll give you an example. Great. If you were stung by a bee and you had a red, hot, swollen, painful place on your arm, I might give you homeopathic bee venom, which is called Apis mellifica. Mm -hmm. And because it's a frequency, it's not material, your body recognizes that frequency and starts to cure what's going on with you. So it would reduce the inflammation, reduce the pain. And you haven't had actual bee venom. You've ac- you've had the frequency of bee venom. And I've literally used Apis mellifica on people who have multiple bee stings. I had one man mowing the lawn, hit a nest Ooh. hive, mm. yep, and had 30, 40 bee stings, oh, was swelling goodness. up. He immediately took Apis and everything came down. Wow. So it's it's about the characteristics of the pathology, not necessarily a diagnosis or a name. So that same red, hot, inflamed condition could be the result of an allergic reaction. It could be the result of an infection. It could be the result of a sudden fever. Mm -hmm. Whatever has the characteristics of that same condition that could be caused by bee venom can be cured by apis mellifica. Mm-hmm. So it's more, uh, it's not about a diagnosis, but more about this, the symptomatology, <laughs> symptomatology, yeah, <laughs> yes, yep. the symptomatology that's being presented. Right, because symptoms are the body's way of communication. Mm-hmm. It's just an expression. And that expression is an attempt to balance things. So we call it the central disturbance. And the symptoms are the way the vital force speaks. So when someone comes in and they have, oh, let's say arthritis or allergies or whatever symptoms they are, I'm looking for how those symptoms play out throughout the entire organism. So what am I seeing on the mental emotional level that reflects the very same energy? Mm -hmm. And that's our training is very much about the case taking process and understanding what the central disturbance is and how that energy is playing out in the whole organism. And then we know what energy to match that to coming from animal, mineral, or vegetable substance in nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why isn't it used more? Well, it's individualized to each person. So I could have 10 people with asthma, they're going to get 10 different remedies. So it's time consuming, mm-hmm. Okay. highly individualized. It's very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the way the remedies are made, because of how they last, they don't expire, they're energetic. So it doesn't, it can't provide profits for pharma. Mm-hmm. And it's highly uh, work intensive and time consuming for the practitioner. Physicians were mostly homeopathic in this country in the early 1900s. The, the medical schools were homeopathic. Many, many physicians practiced homeopathy. 
until the AMA was formed. And then things took a, a veer to the left and they made it illegal to associate with homeopaths if you wanted to be a member of the AMA. So division took place at that time. But the FDA was also formed by a homeopath. Really? Royal Copeland. Oh, yes. Royal Copeland was a, a physician and a homeopath, and he was one of the founders of the FDA. So he installed the homeopathic pharmacopoeia within the FDA to protect our medicines. And it's been like that since the 1920s, 1930s. Um, and just recently, the FDA is trying to put the squeeze on homeopathic medicines and basically make them inaccessible to the public. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is a shame. I think it's important for people to have choice and um, let each individual person decide what, through education and knowledge, then to decide what is appropriate for them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wow. So... You have a practice, correct? I do, mm -hmm. a private practice. Okay. So you were saying um, that it takes a lot longer to uh, see a homeopath and to treat. How long are your appointments? So the initial intake is about an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, first your chief complaint, what would you like to see change? I'm, I'm going to ask about your upbringing, your family life, your likes, your dislikes, your habits. Um, do you prefer cold weather, hot weather? What makes you mad? What makes you happy? Um, what are your concerns? For instance, you know, three people could come in with, let's say, arthritis. Mm -hmm. And a common question I'll ask is, why is this a problem for you? And some people might say, it's just the pain, you know, feeling the pain. And they'll describe in detail what pain feels like in their body. Mm -hmm. The next person might say, well, I can't play with my kids and my family's the most important thing to me. I want to be able to get on the ground, play with my kids. And the third person might say, I'm never going to be um, elevated to the job that I want with this kind of condition because it's unpredictable and I have to strive to, you know, for work. So there are three very different remedy states. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're always looking for. What's the state the person is in? What What would it where is their subconscious? What's mm -hmm. important to them? And that's going to help lead me to an actual remedy. So I'll spend the hour and a half with them taking the case. And then I might spend an hour or more analyzing the case, mm -hmm. connecting the dots, looking things up, checking different materia medica. We, we use four to 5,000 different remedies. So we oh have, my goodness. yeah, very, very, um, explicit materia medica, which their compendiums of the remedies and what symptoms you see in particular remedies. So I might take all of your symptoms and for each symptom, I'll find, um, I'll put it into a rubric. What's a rubric? A rubric is, is a, uh, within our repertory, it's called, I might look up mind anxious crowds. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you're very anxious in crowds and there might be 45 remedies in that. So I write down those 45 remedies. And then I might look up um, eyes, lacrimation, excessive. Your, your eyes water a lot. Mm -hmm. And I might find 30 remedies in that. So then I see what 
what remedies are in both those rubrics. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then I keep going with all the rubrics until I find the set of remedies that are in every rubric. Got it. And gotcha. then I start looking at those remedies to find out which ones match the energy that I'm feeling is the central disturbance for you as the patient. So the analysis is intensive. Mm-hmm. I can see that. And I can see how time consuming it would be. But it's very individualized. You're not just right. lumping people into a diagnosis. Right. Absolutely. And there's no judgment. I mean, this is the most amazing thing about homeopathy. It, we really have to understand where that person's at. And there's you must be an unbiased observer. You can't make a judgment about anyone and really be a healer. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating because how I think somebody needs to heal is not necessarily how they need to heal. (laughs) It's, it's up to them and their vital force. So, you know, for, for instance, I could have three women in unhappy marriages in in the office. Mm -hmm. One of them I give the, and, and maybe my opinion is that they need to leave the marriage. That's, <laughs> that's my human opinion. Mm-hmm. So I give them each their constitutional remedy, and one of them might decide to go back to school and find a whole new vista in schooling and be much happier in her marriage. Mm-hmm. The next one might say, you know, my husband's really been nice to me lately. <laughs> and because her energy changed, it affected his energy. Mm-hmm. The third one might, you know, do something entirely different. So who am I to make a judgment about what needs to happen in that person's life? All I need to understand is what they're experiencing in their reality, what their perception is, what their reality is. Match the remedy to that, and they will do the healing they need to do. And that's the marvelous part of my job because I get to witness that. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I would think it would be very, uh, very rewarding. Very rewarding and very frustrating when I can't understand the case. You know, if something's not working, it's not that homeopathy doesn't work. It's that I'm not understanding the case enough mm-hmm. to match mm-hmm. the right remedy. So do you, is that usually because you don't have enough information or? Typically, mm-hmm. yeah. And sometimes it takes a while. Like 35% of cases, the first remedy, we can hit the nail on the head. There's a very nice transformation. And the rest of the cases, it's it's a process of understanding that person. It's it's like, you know, the three wise men and the elephant. They're each looking at a different part of the elephant and describing it differently until you step back and see the whole elephant. You're not really observing the case. So sometimes I can get lost in the story of the case mm-hmm. and deterred from what the central disturbance is. And sometimes it takes me meeting with the person a few times to really see and understand the case more deeply. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, so are there layers too, or do you, do you generally get right at the core root? Um, there, there can be layers, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, people are multifaceted and you know, there's, if, if I'm treating someone who's grown up on a farm in Iowa and never left, had a picture perfect family and calm, peaceful life, there might be one deep constitutional remedy that treats them and they can go back to that frequently and it'll never change. 
But most people today have experienced many different traumas, tragedies, experiences, marriages, jobs, locations, and they are layered. So the way that's addressed is by listening to what the vital force is saying right now, mm-hmm. because now is the only reality. Right. So I'm going to factor in historical events, historical diseases, or, you know, whatever happened to them as part of the bigger picture, because those things reflect their susceptibility. Mm-hmm. If someone had constant strep throat, they're more susceptible to that infection than someone who had allergies or, or something different. Mm-hmm. So it's going to play into the final case. But generally, I'm going to look at what's right in front of me, what's expressing right now, and treat that expression of the vital force because it's always asking to be healed. The mm-hmm. human organism is designed to go move towards perfection. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always wanting to heal. And in the intention of that relationship with the practitioner, with the healer, it's going to express what needs to be expressed. And I just need to trust that, listen to that, not judge, get out of my own way, and match the remedy to the state. Mm-hmm. Wow. So is there anything homeopathy can't be used for that it's not appropriate? Well, it can, always, it can be used in any situation, but emergency medicine is effective. Mm-hmm. You know, Western medicine doesn't treat disease at all. Right. It just suppresses symptoms. Mm-hmm. But emergency medicine is quite effective. If you're hit by a car, your arm's hanging off, you, you want an ER doc. Right. <laughs> that, that's going to be great. Now, there's no reason you couldn't get a dose of something like aconite on the way to the hospital to calm down the shock. Mm-hmm. So it can always be used to help the situation. But there are situations where you need a limb sewn back on right. <laughs> or you need a stent put mm-hmm. in or, you know, emergency situations. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Um, how do uh, flower remedies, uh, are they in homeopathy at all or is that a completely different system? It, the, like the Bach flower remedies, Australian flower remedies, they're they're wonderful. They're very gentle. They are homeopathic in the sense that they're very dilute. Mm-hmm. They they treat predominantly uh, mental emotional conditions. Okay. Can be very helpful, and I use them with hypersensitives. People who are very very sensitive will respond nicely to the flower remedies. Okay, so they're helpful. I, I feel they're adjunctive to homeopathic remedies. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, and those are created differently. But it's still an energetic frequency, right? It's still an energetic frequency. They're a tincture because the flowers are put in water and left in the sun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it's a tincture. Mm -hmm. So it's different. There's no succussion involved. Homeopathic remedies have that succussion process Mm -hmm. where they're agitated. Are are there homeopathic remedies that are liquid or are they always uh, tablets? Uh, some are in liquid. There's there's different dilutions. Initially, remedies are diluted either 1 to 100, 1 to 10, 1 to 50,000 in a dilution. And then that solution, they're repeatedly diluted and succussed or, or shaken, agitated. The dilution is usually anointed onto pellets, mm-hmm. but they can also be made into tinctures, um, 
there's a lot of ways to deliver them. Mm -hmm. And it's my understanding that the more uh, the substance is diluted, it's actually stronger. Well, yeah, here's what's difficult to to grasp. (laughs) It's the more it's diluted, the higher the frequency. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily stronger in the way we think about medications. Okay. It's more energetic. It's less material and more energetic because the more you dilute something, the molecules are going away. So it becomes more and more energetic, more of a frequency, and it becomes a higher frequency. So they just have different applications. The lower frequencies are more material and can treat physical symptoms better. So if you fall and you have a bruise, you can use a 30C of something like Arnica that treats bruises. Um, as you, If you have surgery and you're post-op healing, you might use 200C of Arnica. It's a higher frequency. Mm-hmm. If you're in a car accident and have a closed head trauma, a concussion, you might use a 1M potency of Arnica mm-hmm. because it's an even higher frequency. Okay, great. I, that. You answered the question I was going to ask. <laughs> good. good. <laughs> okay. So, um, so then homeopathy. Uh, now you just said that the flower essences tend to work on the mental emotional. Excuse me, on the mental emotional level. So homeopathy works on all levels, I believe. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah, and we gather the case from all levels. I want to know the physical symptoms, the emotional symptoms. Um different befallments, experiences you've had, all of it. Mm-hmm. And how about the spiritual aspect? Absolutely. I, I feel that homeopathy is the most spiritual form of medicine there is. Mm-hmm. Frequently, it, it's amusing. Sometimes people will say, well, I, I'm a Christian. I don't know if I can use homeopathy. <laughs> oh, my yeah, yeah, there's a wonderful book by um, Alan Crook mm-hmm. called Homeopathy for Christians. Mm-hmm. And it explains how homeopathy is not anti-Christian. It's not, um, I don't know the word for it, but not to be suspect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at all. It's a very natural form of medicine that is completely a, a spiritual form of medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that ever got to be came to be yeah well yeah probably no differently than people who think yoga is anti-christian oh okay <laughs> you know because they, they'll usually put it in the same category mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. wow that it's maybe new age mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. something like that but uh, you know again that's that's a, a judgment uh, an assumption to use that term and think that it means something that's anti-christian mm-hmm mm-hmm how would you approach someone who, uh, let's say their allopathic doctor has diagnosed them with, uh, let's go with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you approach something like that? Just in general. Um, or you may have an example of someone you've yeah. worked with. Well, it's a big question because cancer is the disease of the immune system. Mm-hmm. We all have cancer cells, and they're kept at bay. Mm -hmm. So that person that manifests a tumor or a malignancy in an organ, their immune system has failed to maintain the protection. Right. So 
there are people who come to me with cancer diagnoses and they come either because they fully believe in natural medicine and they don't want to go with allopathic medicine. That's one group. Mm -hmm. Another group has been told by Western medicine, there's nothing else we can do for you. So they figure I have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try natural medicine. Um, another group thinks there's something to it and wants to try natural medicine, but their families are pressuring them to go the allopathic route. So I'm going to approach all three of these individuals differently mm -hmm. because out of respect for their paradigm and, and their worldview, it's important for me to not be judgmental. Right. Um, and I, I remember I had a, I had a couple clients at the same time with breast cancer and one of them felt very strongly that natural medicine was the only way she wanted to go. And she kept being um, coerced by her family to see the doctor, have the biopsy, you know, take these other steps. And she would get right up to the edge of it and then say, no, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Her, her gut feeling was very strong. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I had a patient who was completely coerced by her family and felt she couldn't let her family down and she had to go the allopathic route. And the two of them had very different outcomes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my natural patient is now cancer free and, awesome. and doing fine. And, you know, so much of it has to do with our belief system, our mental attitude. It's, it's more than just a physical disease. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, well, would you would you work with someone who is doing an allopathic group but wants the support of homeopathy? Sure, there's some state. Yeah, there's definitely some patients in that in that camp. Um, there's many things that homeopathy can do to mitigate radiation burns. Um, you know, if somebody's doing chemo and they're committed to that, it's probably best if they play out the round of chemo before they try to do homeopathic treatment, because those heavy-duty drugs can stop the action of natural modalities. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, the thing I was going to say, Janine, is that I had a young, a, a young man in, in his 20s who had a terminal type of cancer. It was very serious. And he came to me and we worked for a little while and he had a sweet young wife and a brand new baby. And mm -hmm. finally, the family convinced him to go into a drug trial. And he, you know, went to uh, a cancer center, a famous cancer center, and went through this drug trial and became so impaired, so sick that they had him in, in isolation. His wife couldn't see him. His child couldn't be with him. Oh I mean, goodness. he was, yeah, he was completely isolated. He went from there to hospice and died. Oh. And tragic, tragic case. And you know, afterwards, I, I, I have an associate who is a, a nurse, an RN, who sees people on the other side. She has a kind of a conduit. And I asked her to check on him because I hadn't heard from him and I thought he had passed, but I wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. And she did so. And she said, he's just passed over. And he's saying, thank you. You are the only person who listened to him. Oh, I just got the chills. Oh. Well, it was so interesting. And at the time, Janine, I thought, she's being so kind. She's just saying that for me. You know, that's what I thought. <laughs> a few months later, I spoke with a relative. And the relative said, we spoke with him just before he died. Mm 
And he said, I so appreciated working with Scylla. She was the only one that listened to me. Mm. The exact same words. And then I got chills because it was like, wow, what confirmation. And it just confirms for me that A, death isn't the end. And Mm -hmm. B, death isn't the worst resolution to illness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not it's not something to fear. It's not, it's just part of our process. Right. I know it amazes me how afraid people are of death, Scylla. I, I, from my perspective, it's just a transition. It, I really, I I mean, I don't want to suffer, right? When I, when I die, I'd love to go in my sleep, (laughs) but, but I'm really, I'm honestly not afraid of passing it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not the worst end point with, and sometimes illness has something to teach us. Mm -hmm. It's not, the goal isn't to fight off illness every minute of our lives. (laughs) That that's not, and that brings us to fear, you know, and this is why I did the films. Mm -hmm. Um, The real immunity series is really about dispelling that fear surrounding disease more and more in my office. I see these young mothers terrified of a fever, terrified of a cold. Oh my goodness. running their kids to the ER at the least sign of anything, and mostly because of our direct-to-consumer marketing, all the drug ads are on TV. We never had drug ads when I was younger. <laughs> I right. Just, it, it's slowly, I've watched it over the years, um, you know, just like a little here and there, and now it's it seems like, well, I don't, I, I don't use TV. I use Amazon Prime and Netflix, so I don't have to listen to ads, but, right, but right. it seems like when I am someplace where there's a TV and I, you know, I might have it on for a little while, it's, it's just one pharmaceutical ad after another. After another. They own, they own media. They completely own media. And what, what that's done, it's normalized thinking about medications, pharmaceutical medications. And it's also, I'm not sure how to describe it, but when you hear that stuff, it's like, oh, if I have this, this, and this symptom, it means I have this diagnosis and it means this drug will help it. Mm-hmm. it. It plays into this very neat little package of I can't have symptoms because symptoms mean I have this diagnosis and then I need this drug. And it's insidious because moms have lost all touch with their mother's intuition. Mm-hmm. They, it's still there. And it's the strongest force on earth. It's what saved us as a civilization. But they're doubting it. And I saw this in my office and I realized that there needs to be some education. And, you know, the younger generation appreciates film. Mm-hmm. They're, they're mm-hmm. watching film. Mm-hmm. So to dispel that fear and to encourage mothers to access their intuition and trust it, how empowering could that be? Mm, absolutely. Because the paradigm about health needs to change. Mm-hmm. It needs to change. The, the pharmaceutical inter- industry has driven us to this place that's fear-based, disease avoidant. It, that's, that's not reality. Mm-hmm. Disease is a part of life and bacteria, viruses, they're life forms. They're going to find a way. Annihilating them isn't the answer, mm-hmm. nor is it respectful of our environment. So everything's converging to this point where we're recognizing gut biomes, we're recognizing the value they have in our health. Mm-hmm. Um, 
things are changing and I wanted to do this series. I, I initially wanted to talk about homeoprophylaxis and realize maybe people aren't ready to hear that. First, they need to trust their intuition. Okay. So that was the first film called Quest for Real Immunity. Okay. I've basically interviewed chiropractors, doctors, researchers, um, different people, some very, um, they have celebrity, you know, they, they're well known. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Others, not so much, but they all have really great things to say about fear, intuition, natural disease. So that's the first film. The second film in the series, there are three in the series. The okay. second one is called Passage to Real Immunity, and it's about homeoprophylaxis, which has been around for 200 years. It's a subset of homeopathy. It's effectively used to protect against disease and used all over the world, except it's little known in the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, need I to know about definitely it. Yeah. want to get into that after we go through the, um, the films, and then we'll get into homeoprophylaxis. Yep. The third one is choosing real immunity. So okay. quest, passage, and choosing. Mm-hmm. And choosing will give you some concrete methods to access different people, different modalities, different organizations, the health freedom movement, you know, different, different ways that you can take action mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. and make a choice. And where do people go to see these? Are they still available? They are available through realimmunity.org. Okay. So that's my site. And you can see the trailers to the first two. The third one comes out in 2019. Ah. The second one just came out this month. You can see the trailers and then you can rent or purchase um, either film or both films. Okay. Great, great. It sounds like a, a a passion, a work of passion for you. <laughs> completely, completely. It's a commit, a life commitment right now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I honor you totally for what you're doing. Let's talk about homeoprophylaxis. Um, I always considered myself to be rather well educated in these areas, and I hadn't heard of homeoprophylaxis before. It's a subset of homeopathy, mm-hmm. and it's the use of uh, no-sodes predominantly. It can also be animal, mineral, or vegetable remedies. And what is a no-sode? A no-sode is made from um, disease products. So the uh, saliva or, or discharge from a lesion uh, from a disease. Okay. And that is diluted and potentized just like any other remedy. Mm-hmm. So then it's given to the person. It's a frequency. It's energetic. There's nothing in it that you can't catch the disease. Uh, you can't, it can't cause the disease. And then you are familiarized with that frequency. So if you encounter the disease in nature, you know how to mount an appropriate immune response or repel the disease altogether. Mm. It's been used for over 200 years. It's legal in India. The doctors in India use it. I've interviewed one Indian doctor in the Passage to Real Immunity film Mm -hmm. talking about distributing it for different epidemics in India. Oh, yeah. There's uh, studies with millions of people, literally millions of people, very effective studies. Oh, do you have an example? That sounds awesome. Yeah. um, Cuba, leptospirosis, Mm -hmm. tropical disease prevalent during hurricanes because fields flood rats um 
urinate in the fields. Rats, the carrier of leptospirosis, people walk in the fields, goes into a cut. Lepto can go to the liver, the kidneys. There can be up to a 40% mortality rate. Mm -hmm. So Cuba vaccinates their population annually because they have hurricanes that come through. And it's prevalent at the end of the summer, fall months. So they vaccinate their whole population. Well, in 2007 and 8, there were multiple hurricanes that came through. They could not vaccinate everyone. They couldn't produce it, roll it out, administer it effectively. So they decided to try homeoprophylaxis. And they made enough for 2.3 million people okay. and distributed HP, we call it, short mm -hmm. for homeoprophylaxis, distributed HP to the 2.3 million people. They saw the incidence of lepto drop that year, but the following year, it went down to zero and it went up in the rest of the country. Oh my goodness. Very successful. Um, people have criticized the study saying it's not double blind placebo control, but the rest of the country was the control. Mm -hmm. The rest of the country was, um, you know, vaccinated or not vaccinated areas mm -hmm. And it still, it came down in the HP group. Wow. That's amazing. So Cuba did lots of experiments with HP. Um, they were very, very open to natural medicine and provided it for large groups in the population for hepatitis, for dengue fever, for cholera, conjunctivitis, pneumonia, leptospirosis, and had great results. It's been used in Brazil for meningitis. Dr. Isaac Golden used it in Australia with children. Mostly it's been tropical diseases, but mm -hmm. Dr. Golden did a 15-year study with about 3,000 children for childhood diseases, followed them for 15 years, had very good results, found about a 90% effectiveness rate. Wow. And that's the program that, that I use here in the U.S. for families who are looking for an alternative. Mm-hmm. So is um, the once the remedy is chosen, is it a, a, a one-time dose or is it something that uh, a person has to keep taking? So it depends on the application. Let me okay. go backwards. Okay. There's three distinct applications for HP. One is the childhood diseases. Okay. One is travel prophylaxis for tropical disease. I'm going to India. I want temporary protection for these diseases for two weeks or a month. Mm -hmm. And the third one is for epidemics. There's a flu epidemic coming through. We want protection. Mm -hmm. okay. So dosing is based on the application. Mm -hmm. So in uh, a flu epidemic, we might dose it one time for everyone mm -hmm. in that area mm -hmm. or like the leptospirosis epidemic that I recounted. Mm -hmm. So um, tropical disease, if you're traveling, same thing. One dose of a remedy will last two to four weeks. So I'll give it to you once if you're going to be going for under a month. Okay. The childhood diseases, we tend to dose monthly over a longer period of time to give them longevity in the immune process. So it's going to exercise their immune system by stimulating it with these uh, frequencies of diseases. Mm -hmm. So it more closely imitates the process of being exposed to the disease itself. Got it. Got it. So I think what I'm hearing then is that homeoprophylaxis can be a valuable tool uh, for people who don't want to vaccinate 
their children. That's accurate. Those are the parents that are asking for it. It can be very effective. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Golden questioned whether doing nothing, eating organic, having a healthy lifestyle would be even more effective than doing HP. Okay. This was his suspicion. So he had a group that was just eating organic and living in a healthy fashion. And what he found is that the HP kids had better long-term health outcomes, Mm -hmm. fewer colds, fewer allergies. And the only thing he could attribute it to is that they were getting all the benefits of natural disease with none of the risks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he saw a good result in that population, more so than just the organic eaters. Mm -hmm. So why isn't this more popular? (laughs) (laughs) Well, think about it. Um, It's not a moneymaker. It's, yeah. Has anything curative ever been popular? Mm. You know, the the process for pharma is to keep customers. That's true. And to make money. And, you know, homeoprophylaxis is not a big moneymaker. So, and I think it's, it's sometimes disparaged by classical homeopaths because they claim it's not classical homeopathy. In classical homeopathy, uh, we use what's called genus epidemicus. When there's an outbreak of a disease, you take a number of cases, you see what remedies match those cases, and then you would give that out to people who are coming down with the disease. It's a, a valid method. It's a, it's a good method. It's been used, and it's classical. Mm-hmm. But what about the weakest among us? What about those who can't withstand a disease? Isn't it better? to preempt the disease by giving something beforehand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, classical homeopaths fear that giving those remedies are stirring up the vital force, confusing it. Um, They they just don't approve of the method, some of them. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, you know, it's a matter of understanding the studies, what's what's out there, what's been done, how it's being used. You know, once we have a broader understanding, then judgments can fall away. Because a lot of that um, adherence to a certain way is dogma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's talk. Now, here's going to be kind of a touchy subject for people. I know this, but I would like to touch on it because I think it's really important. There is a, a certain percent of children who have had negative reactions to vaccines and have had serious damage. Um, And it's my understanding that this is a population that you work with, with your HP. I I do, Janine. I work with a lot of families that come in and say they undeniably saw their child regress after vaccines. Mm -hmm. I believe these parents. I've I've seen it. Um, I don't necessarily do HP with them right off the bat. I'll use constitutional homeopathy. I'll try to reverse some of what we're seeing, mm-hmm. or I'll use another method called cease therapy, which can uh, detoxify, so to speak, you know, some of these things that the child's not able to detoxify on their own. Okay. Um, and I've seen amazing things. I, I had one case... I I recently talked about this in an interview that was promoted through um, 
oh, it was an online, an online interview. And it was a young woman who was a child of chiropractors, never vaccinated. And she wanted to go to medical school, was told she needed all her vaccines. So she went and got them within a few months and Mm -hmm. became very, very ill. They ran her through every test. They did spinal taps. They did MRIs. There was nothing wrong with her. They said it was psychosomatic and she should be on psych meds. Yep. And her parents found me and brought her to me. I took the case and I identified that one of the vaccines, we were seeing um, evidence of some artifacts from one of the vaccines. I cleared that vaccine in a particular method within two weeks she was 100 percent fine oh my goodness so if it wasn't the vaccine Mm -hmm. why did the method work for her Mm -hmm. and i've seen that in multiple cases Mm -hmm. so um yeah i see it a lot it's heartbreaking it's devastating to the families what some of these families are experiencing is unspeakable They can't leave their homes. They can't live normal lives. They're going to have to care for this child for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And in the face of that, they're being denied. They're being told that this is, they're imagining it. And to me, that's the biggest crime of all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Yeah. So my own daughter suffered um, aseptic meningitis Mm -hmm. after her vaccines. When I adopted her from China, We came home, she needed all her vaccines, received them, and went into a shrill cry for the next 24 hours and 105 temperature. Mm. We were told that she had aseptic meningitis. They put her on IV antibiotics, and she pulled through. But I then investigated and found that it was in the insert, the package insert for one of the vaccines aseptic meningitis was a side effect. Ah. And I went to the pediatrician who promptly denied it. You know, <laughs> she said no. And that's what started my whole journey with homeoprophylaxis. That was 20 some years ago. And I started researching and reading studies by independent resources, not the pharmaceutical company, mm-hmm. going to conferences, following the National Vaccine Information Center, which is very credible information. They do their research. Um, it's, it's a great organization. Mm-hmm. And what I learned just brought me down a rabbit hole. And then within homeopathy school, I learned about homeoprophylaxis and realized this is the answer. This gives people a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just let them have a choice. Let them choose for themselves. Give them information and let them govern themselves. If there's a parent listening to this and they'd really like to educate themselves on HP and the possibility of, of using it for their children, where would they start? How would they how would they find a, a, a practitioner? Right. So they can come to realimmunity.org, the same site where I have the films, mm-hmm. and there's a tab, Learn About HP, mm-hmm. and there's procedures, there's FAQs, there's fees. Everything is right there about the HP programs. Okay. So that's the best place for them to learn about HP. Okay. What if somebody doesn't have a, a practitioner in their area? Is this is it something that can be done at a distance at all? Or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Janine, I okay. work with people all over the world. Because I send the kit, I send the booklet for record keeping. We have a Skype or a uh, Zoom mm-hmm. meeting with each other. I train the parent how to use everything, answer questions. 
And then I provide support for the duration of the program. So if anything comes up and they have a question, they just reach out and that's all included. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Because my goal is really to educate, mm-hmm. you know, educate the parent, help them see that this is a different paradigm. This is not a replacement for vaccines. Mm-hmm. We are educating the immune system. Mm-hmm. It's a different process. And I want them to understand that and not feel that they're just putting in HP in place of vaccine. Mm-hmm. So are you saying, hmm, are you saying a, a parent might do both with their children or? Typically, no, they okay. don't because the reason they want to do HP is they have done their research and recognize they don't want to choose vaccines. Mm-hmm. So um, they don't typically do both. Okay. But there's a different way of thinking, you know, the, the, medical paradigm is very different from the homeopathic paradigm. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to teach is this different way of looking at health, that we want to educate the immune system, that we don't want to be afraid of disease, but that we want to actually circulate these frequencies of disease through the system. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure how else to say it. Okay. No, I I think because when you, you uh, I'm trying to think now what it, what you said, but it was something about that it wasn't replacing vaccines. So I just wanted to have a little clarity on that. I think what I want to avoid is parents thinking that I'm selling a widget. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. selling a product that you purchase a product and you go away and we're done. What I'm providing is an education, and that education has an end result of shifting the paradigm so that we start to view health not as avoiding disease, but health as an interaction with the viruses and bacteria that are part of our world. Excellent. Thank you. That was that was perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's the difference. Okay. Because I do have parents that call me up and say, I just want to buy the kit and mm-hmm. I won't sell it to them mm-hmm. because I'm not selling a widget. I'm not, I don't want to feed into that paradigm. Mm-hmm. I want to educate the parent so they understand that it's, it's about more than just avoiding disease. Mm-hmm. And no method's 100% effective, not vaccines, not HP, nothing's 100% effective and they need to understand that as well and not have fear about that. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Um, this is this is wonderful. I'm sure people are getting a lot out of this. I, I would like to touch on one thing that you said, because I have personally had some amazing results with the naturopath years ago using constitutional remedies. And um, I thought it would be nice if you could explain a little bit more about what a constitutional remedy is and, and how it can be really beneficial. Right. So let me talk about constitutional remedies in contrast to practical homeopathy. Okay. Because practical homeopathy, acute homeopathy, is simply the, ch- the, the choosing of a remedy for a particular symptom. You hit your head and have a lump on your head, you can choose Arnica. Mm -hmm. You cut your finger and uh, have excessive bleeding, you can can choose a particular remedy. These are acute symptoms, and the application is very practical. That's great. Lay people can do it. You can go to your store, you can pick something out. Mm -hmm. Constitutional homeopathy looks at the whole person, 
and looks at all the factors. We call it the totality of the case. Mm-hmm. So you embody a certain energy based on all the characteristics about you. And that's your constitution. And that is asking for the match of one particular remedy, an animal, mineral, or vegetable remedy, something in the world that will be like a tuning fork tuned to the same note that your frequency is tuned to. And when I give it to you, you can become the best you. So most people say, I just feel more like myself. I don't have so much fear. I feel more relaxed. And when they enter that place of calm, they're able to heal because physiologically the body's designed to regenerate itself and heal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having that emotional composure and peace is going to facilitate the physical healing. And when I choose that constitutional remedy, I'm also factoring in your arthritis or your migraines or, you know, whatever it is physically that led you to my office. Mm-hmm. Those things have to be in the picture along with your temperament, your what makes you mad, what whether you're chilly, whether you're hot, whether you're weepy, whether you're needy, whether you're independent, uh, you know, all of those factors make you who you are. And that's what I'm putting in the hopper to choose a remedy. Mm-hmm. And that becomes your constitutional remedy. And is that something that a person would just take once or... Is, is that a, a long-term kind of approach? Um, now we're talking about posology, you know, dosing. Okay. And I'm going to give you one dose, two, maybe two doses of your constitutional remedy, and I'm not going to see you for another month. Mm-hmm. And you're going to come back a month later, and you're going to say, um, well, I, I still have headaches. And then I'm going to say, how often have you had headaches? What number are they on the pain scale? How long do they last? And you're going to answer and I'm going to reflect back and say, oh, when you first came in, you had them five times a week and they were a 10 on the scale and they lasted for three hours each. Now you're telling me you're having them twice a week and they're only a five on the scale. So you're moving in the right trajectory. Mm -hmm. You're moving towards healing. And this is the way the vital force heals. So now I might redose your remedy mm-hmm. and you come back in six weeks now. Mm-hmm. So slowly over time, I usually tell people if you can give the process six months, okay. you're going to feel a difference. There are many people who take that first remedy the first time they don't need to come back. They mm-hmm. feel great. Mm-hmm. I know that's what, that, that's what happened to me. I just had one dose and it really mm-hmm. changed my emotional, mental outlook and state. Yeah, that can definitely happen. It's wonderful. That makes my day when that happens. Mm -hmm. But other times, you have to finesse the dosage. Mm -hmm. You repeat the dosage. Maybe you go up in potency. And then once you're in a good place, I'll give someone directions. If, if, you know, something happens and blindsides you, just retake your remedy. Mm -hmm. Or if you you get in a stressful situation, just redose your remedy and try it. Nice. You said earlier that they last forever, so you don't have to worry about an expiration date or anything like that. Correct. Yeah, as long as they're kept in a neutral place, not near high heat or the microwave, mm-hmm. they'll last. And you know, you can you can use my remedies from twenty years ago that are still good. 
Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. great. So there's another reason why pharma doesn't want homeopathy to be popular. Mm-hmm. So anybody out there, if you have homeopathic remedies at home, don't throw them out because you think they're old and maybe they're not good anymore. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> that's awesome. They don't go to waste. Oh, Scylla, this has been wonderful. I really hope that that our listeners are getting a lot out of this because I really think this is an important topic and one that just, you know, a lot of people don't know about as an option for mm-hmm. their well-being. And I think it's an important option. It's one that, you know, doesn't have side effects and can really, really help a person to move into or evolve into who they really are. And mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's a beautiful form of medicine. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you would like to share before we wrap up that, that you haven't touched on or, or a, uh, a bit of wisdom that you'd like to share? Oh, I think that letting go of fear is huge. We all get caught up in it. Fear of death, fear of disease, fear of suffering. And just if we can let that go, if we can trust our intuition, mm-hmm. there's nothing more important than trusting yourself mm-hmm. and having integrity with, with yourself. Um, I don't I don't know how you get there, Janine. I'm still working on it. You know, <laughs> it's it's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But is. yeah. For me, I I think it's a lot of it is about being in the flow and trusting, trusting your, your body, your mind can justify absolutely anything and um, can question and cause you to not do something because of fear. And if you check in with your body and your heart, that doesn't lie. That's, that's your truth. Um, but your mind can go anywhere. And usually we make decisions with our mind instead of with our body and our heart. Right. Right. So, yeah. So you investigate with your mind, but then you feel it with your heart and you combine the two to make a wise decision. You said it way better than me. That was awesome. (laughs) That's perfect. Uh, well, thank you. I, that's a wonderful note to end on. So would you say that again for people, please? I think that's really important. So study it out in your mind and then feel it in your heart. Put the two together to make a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to combine the two mm-hmm. to really find your own wisdom. Mm-hmm. And trust. Trust what your heart mm-hmm. is telling you. Right. If something doesn't feel right, your emotions are your thermometer. Mm-hmm. If something doesn't feel right, listen to that. That's your higher self trying to tell you, whoa, wait, stop, think about this, don't don't go forward. Mm -hmm. And trust that. When we were talking before we started the recording, I told you I'd been approached to do a radio show. And there were so many things about it that seemed like a really good idea, but my my heart, my body was just telling, there just wasn't something right about it for me. And I had to listen to that. Perfect example. Mm -hmm. Because we're caught up and tempted by things, but if it doesn't feel right, you've got to listen to that. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, other people might be trying to encourage you into something that doesn't feel right for you. And Mm -hmm. it really is important to listen, listen to what your 
body is telling you. One of the things I tell people that, that can help is, is I tell people lie down or sit and just, just try to focus on your breathing and calm your body. And then think of something that causes you agitation or discord and see how your body feels. Mm-hmm. And then think about something that makes you joyful and happy and see how your body feels. So when you're trying to make a decision, think about that decision and see how your body feels. Does it feel the same way when you were thinking about something that is, uh, we'll just say use negative and positive, we'll use polarities, that something that was negative and how your body felt? Or does your body feel the same way when you're thinking about something that's positive, happy or joyful? And, and use that as a help in determining what you should do. That's right for you. Right. That's excellent. Yeah, definitely. So it just helps people get out of their mind. Our mind can justify anything. It's amazing. You know, we pick and choose information to justify how we think something should be as opposed to what really is in our best interest, really what our, our soul and our, our, you know, our, our higher aspect wants for us. Right, right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> it's great. So uh, once again, so we have realimmunity.org. Mm-hmm. And then my private practice is familyhomeopathycare.com. Familyhomeopathycare.com. And all of this information will also be on the website. So people can work with you from a distance, mm-hmm. right? Okay, great. And you, you set up appointments, as you said, by Skype or Zoom, if that's right. the case. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate who you are and all you're doing to be of service for people who really need some better choices and um, who are feeling stuck and are lost and really need help in, in coming back to themselves and, and, uh, and who they really are. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Jimmy. Appreciate it. Oh, you're You're so welcome. Take care. Thank you for listening. And thank you so much, Dr. Silla Watcott, for taking time to share such incredibly valuable information with us. I really appreciate it. The podcast website is realjanine.com, where you can listen and download episodes, Sign up for the podcast bi-weekly blog newsletter to keep up on new episodes, archives, life updates, and always a good, yummy, healthy recipe. And remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And I have a Keeping It Real with Janine YouTube channel and am creating video slideshows of all my conversations. So please, if you would, do me a favor and go to YouTube and subscribe. Do you know someone who would benefit from my conversation with Silla Watcott? I'll bet you know quite a few. Please, share the love. Thanks for listening. Take care and be well.